Here we are again for the strange and bewildering day we call Easter. All of the Bible, all of the church, all of Christianity, it hinges on this day. Easter, resurrection out of death into life. If this story were not in the scriptures, we would have thrown our Bibles out a long time ago. If the Bible doesn't tell us this story, well, it tells us absolutely nothing. It is the one day when all of the hope of the past is made manifest in the present. And we are here. Now, some of you are here this morning because you can't imagine being anywhere else. You can't imagine being anywhere else. Some of you are here because you're looking for some good news in a world that seems to be drowning in bad news. And there's a better than good chance that a few of you are here because you were dragged here against your will. And frankly, it doesn't matter why you are here, except that you hear these words. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. 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 Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. No one saw the resurrection. Nobody saw it. Now, there's plenty of films and art and even songs that attempt to describe the event that we are here today to celebrate. But the strange new world of the Bible tells us that in all four Gospels that no one saw it. Not Peter, not Mary Magdalene, not anyone. Jesus was already gone from the tomb when the stone was rolled away. And perhaps oddly enough, that's a good thing. The resurrection, after all, is beyond our ability to understand or comprehend. It comes to us from a completely different sphere of reality. The resurrection breaks all the rules. The women wake up on the third day knowing full and well what to expect. They travel to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body with spices. They've run out of tears. They've been crying since Friday. Perhaps they're traveling in silence, which is the real and terrible sound of grief. But when they arrive, the stone has been moved and the body is gone. Two men in dazzling clothes appear and the women fall in fear and reverence. Why do you look for the living among the dead, they say. He's not here. Or as we like to say down in these parts, he ain't here. He's risen. Their rebuke, these men in dazzling clothes, their rebuke, it reverberates throughout the centuries because even to this day, we're all still looking for new life in all the wrong places. We're, we're trying to do whatever we can to gain control over something that is fundamentally out of our control. We still set our minds on earthly things. We cling to various things in life because life is so uncertain. Tomorrow isn't promised. So we desperately hold on to those things we think will give us life like our jobs or our spouses or our children or our parents. And then life just kind of keeps moving on. We flip through the never-ending abyss that is Netflix. We search for a momentary reprieve in our lives of monotony. We listen to podcasts at 1.5 speed because we don't even have enough time between our timely events to listen to something in real time. We go from day to day knowing not at all what we are doing or why we are even doing it. And then, bam, Easter. Easter. It is the great disruption. It is the exodus for the rest of us. It is the beginning of the strange new world. My favorite writer, Kurt Vonnegut, said that most good stories only occur when a character gets unstuck in time. Our lives only really become interesting when the time of our lives is disrupted, when it's unstuck from its normalcy. 
The women who travel to the tomb, they, they go with predictable expectations. The dead stay dead. They knew that everything was out of their control, that there was nothing they could do to fix the day until they hear the declaration that Christians have been sharing for two millennia. He is not here. He is risen. It's no wonder the story ends so strangely. The women just go home and tell everyone what they've seen and heard. And scripture says they're amazed. Easter sets them and all of us on a course from which we leave provoked and unsettled and disoriented. Life will not, life cannot ever be the same. Because how could we possibly respond to the most unexpected thing in the world actually happening? The tomb is empty. The body is gone. He is risen. This is the proclamation of Easter, and yet proclaiming the resurrection is difficult and it is challenging because it cannot be made into a metaphor. It cannot be reduced into a charming story, no matter how many teenagers want to put the stone of the tomb on the roof of their church. It's not the celebration of spring. It's not new life shooting up from the soil, despite every Hallmark card that you've bought and received in the last nights with last week with ice little butterflies and lilies. That has nothing to do with the resurrection of the dead. It's not a quaint little story about how love is stronger than death. The resurrection is completely unlooked for. It is something without precedent. It is something that leaves us truly amazed. Easter proclaims for all of us that God is the Lord of disruption, that among the roads of life, the traveling, looking for the living among the dead, that Jesus will show up, Jesus will become time for us, takes our time away from us and transforms time forever and ever. Even all these centuries later, with our sanctuary and our, our lilies and our songs and our, our sermons, it can all kind of feel like Easter is just one of the many things that happened to Jesus, but that's not right. Easter is instead the happening of Jesus to all things. Jesus doesn't change on Easter. Everything is changed because of him. Any attempt, therefore, to find a way to make Easter relevant or new or relatable is a fool's errand because Easter is unlike anything that has ever happened. The only thing we can ever do is point to it. The proclamation of Holy Week, Jesus' entry into the city, the meal on Thursday, the cross on Friday, the empty tomb on Sunday, they run against the grain of everything else in life. They don't give us ways to be better human beings. They aren't commandments about how to make the world more bearable. Easter is not about what we do. Instead, Easter is about what is done to us and that what has a name. It's Jesus. I think the most amazing part of Easter is that we don't have to do anything for it to happen. Jesus does for us what Jesus does, whether we deserve it or not, and frankly, we don't deserve it at all. God in the flesh comes to dwell among us, and we return the favor by nailing God's Son to the cross. Though three days later, God gives him back to us. And when God gives him back to us, Jesus doesn't wait behind the stone until the, east, the, the disciples have just the right amount of faith, until they've finally figured out this whole thing before he springs out. He doesn't tell them that he will be raised and only raised when they've evangelized the right number of people, when they've raised enough money for the stewardship campaign, when they've got enough people saying the Apostles' Creed on Sunday. There are no requirements for the resurrection of the dead. 
But we, the good and religious and righteous people we are, we're in church on Easter Sunday, after all. We might have thought that the story was over, that the shadow of the cross was the final word. But in the strange new world of the Bible, only Jesus gets the final word because he himself is the word. So hear this word of good news. On Easter, God took the cross, a sign of endings and death to everyone else, and made it into the means of a new beginning in life. The promise of the resurrection is that there is nothing on this earth that can ever separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus' pronouncement from the cross, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. It means that we are freed from all of our sins, our past sins, our present sins, and the sins that we haven't even come up with yet. Easter means that one day we too will rise to join in the feast at the Supper of the Lamb. Can you imagine anything more wonderful than that? I assure you, there is nothing more wonderful than the news of Easter. You know, the disciples, the women, they were amazed by what they saw and heard on the first Easter, and we are still amazed even today. The promise of the resurrection for people like you and me, it is wild beyond all imagining. It is the gift of life in the midst of death. It is a way out simply by remaining in. It is everything for nothing. It is, not to put too fine a point on it, amazing. Absolutely and completely and totally amazing. It is the best news the world has ever heard. And it's for you. He ain't here. He's risen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God now and forever. Amen.